Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation. Teach us to pray. Well, good morning, everyone. Good to see you this morning. I love inviting Pastor Deb to come up and do the announcements and give the greeting because there's always a sermon ready to break out. <laughs> I love it. So good. Wow, it is good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Um, uh, as Pastor Deb mentioned, we had a great time Wednesday night, uh, worship and prayer night. Uh, a number of you showed up and were a part of that, and, and it was an incredible time as we took, uh, took the opportunity to pray over our community. And, uh, and just as about an hour and a half of just worship and prayer together in, in a good time. So next month, third Sunday, I mean, third Wednesday of every month, so next month in July, it's on the, on the summer events at, at Thrive. Uh, we're going to keep doing this. Uh, 6.30 p.m. at the Thrive Center, third Sunday of the month, and we're going to get together and we're going to seek the Lord together. We're going to just worship together and be in his presence and uh, encourage you to come out. Kids are welcome uh, to, to join we, we welcome the whole family in and, and, uh, and pray and worship together. So good stuff. Hey, we're continuing our, our series this morning on prayer. We've been talking about uh, prayer and, and learning to pray. The title of the series is Teach Us to Pray. Teach Us to Pray. We all understand that prayer is important. I hope we all understand that prayer is important. But I think sometimes we don't understand just how important it is, that it's, it's not an, an accessory to my faith. It's not an, an additional, optional component to my walk with Jesus, that prayer is critical. It is foundational. It's, it's, an, it's, a, it's a, a life-giving part of my walk with the Lord, and, and it becomes a point of connect with the Lord that really cannot be neglected and should not be neglected. That we have to, as God's people, press in in prayer. If I never talked to my wife or my kids, there would be lots of tension in my home. Amen? Some of you are like, I don't know. No, it would not be a good environment to be in. We would be lacking relationship. Things would not go well. How much more do we need to be in communication with God, talking to him and listening to his voice in our lives. Throughout this series, I'm just going to keep making this statement, kind of our, our launching off statement, and we'll get into the, the passage this morning. It's this, that prayer is relational before it is utilitarian. Prayer is relational before it is utilitarian. Prayer is not just a tool we use that God's given us to have a better life. That prayer is given to us for the sake of deeper, more intimate relationship with God. And I think if we adjust our perspective just in that way, it opens up a whole new avenue of prayer in our lives. Of course, the, the title for this series comes out of Luke 11, 
Uh, starting in verse 1, it says this, One day when Jesus was praying in a certain place, when he, f- he was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. What we have here in Luke 11 is a shorter version of the Lord's Prayer that we actually find in Matthew chapter 6. And we're actually going to take a look at that this morning as well. The disciples in watching Jesus and watching the way that he prayed. We know scripture tells us that Jesus would go to withdraw often to lonely places to pray, to be with the Father. And in watching him and watching the pattern and the model of prayer, they realized, I I need to learn how to pray the way that Jesus prays. And so they ask him, teach us to pray. Teach me how to do that. There's any number of things that we can learn, right? The world is full of all kinds of information. There's things that we can learn, but usually there's something that will stir us. Maybe it's, it's in the kitchen and you're watching someone cook something. Maybe it was your mom or your dad or, or an aunt or uncle or grandma, and you would watch them cooking. And maybe you went and said, grandma, would you teach me to make what you're making? Would you teach me how to make that dessert? In our family, we grew up uh, in, in kind of a British tradition. And so we used to have trifle Anyone know what trifle is? It's a dessert, layered dessert. If you have not had trifle, you are missing out. I realized this morning during our prayer time, I was talking a lot about food. So hang with me. Do not check out and start daydreaming about food this morning. But it's this layered, my grandmother made the best trifle. And so, right, so all of us were going, we, we want to learn how to make trifle. Or, or maybe it's learning to work on a car or learning to whatever it is, do a craft, Teach me how to do that. And unless you have someone to show you, you're not going to learn. You're not going to know. They come to Jesus and they say, teach us to pray. We know that John teaches his disciples to pray. but we, We want you to teach us to pray because we see something in how you pray that we need. I want to talk this morning about prayer for personal breakthrough. Praying for personal breakthrough. Another big term for that would be prayers of supplication. When we come to the Lord and we let him know what's going on in our lives and we ask him to meet the needs and take care of the things in our lives. Let me ask you a question this morning. How many of you are easily distracted? And some of you are going, what was the question? Yeah. How, I'm easily distracted. Like, like, I think one of the worst things in the world is TVs in restaurants. I think it is a plan of, of Satan to ruin mar- marriages. Right? Because I'm sitting there and there are moving Im- And it doesn't matter what it is. It can be a Geico commercial. And I'm just like, fixated. So easily distracted. Like if I'm talking to someone, I have to work at making sure that I am not looking over their shoulder because if there's, right, it's shiny object syndrome and I just, my eye is drawn. You know, we can become easily distracted, not just in a conversation, but with the issues of life. That the issues in our lives can distract us from the presence of God. 
The things that come up in our lives, whether it's at home or at work, physically, financially, relationally, even recreationally, the, th- the issues of life can distract us from the presence of God. And at, a, at the root issue, at the root cause of this is trust. That we start walking in a way where we fail to trust God in the way that he wants to be trusted. In fact, I would say that many of the personal battles that we face really come down to a lack of trust. Now, I don't want to oversimplify it to that. I want to say everything is a lack of trust because that creates all kinds of other issues. But, but here's the thing. I also don't want to needlessly overcomplicate it either. That, that we sometimes just have to take a good look at our own lives and our own walk with the Lord and go, okay, God, how much am I, am I really trusting you? Or am I being distracted by the things around me, the things that are popping up, the things that are the shiny objects, the things that are the joys and the pains, and are those things forcing me, pushing me to a place where I'm closer to you, or are they pulling me away from your presence? See, for each one of us, there's what we think we need. And there's what you really need. Can I get an amen? There's what you think you need, and there's what you really need. And can I tell you this morning, God knows what you really need. God knows what you really need. And Jesus addresses this in the Lord's Prayer twice. And it's important. He speaks of it in talking about bread. Just a short line in that verse that we just read. Give us each day our daily bread. And you might have said the Lord's Prayer a bazillion times in your life. And we just kind of go over that part. Well, give us our daily bread. Okay, God, feed me. Take care, of, take care of the food that I need. But there's so much depth to what Jesus is saying here in this one line. Father, as I come before you, I'm trusting that you are going to take care of the issues of my life. And there's a lot. It's not just about food. It's not just about bread. What Jesus knows is this, that we daily face situations and circumstances that need the touch of God, that need his provision, that need his insight, that need his wisdom. And when he teaches the disciples and and ultimately teaches us to pray, what he says is don't neglect the needs in your life. Don't neglect the things that are going on. You know, we can, we can have a conversation about praying for personal breakthrough, and, and let's be honest, it can feel a little selfish. It can feel a little narcissistic. Well, I shouldn't be praying for myself. I need to be praying for those other people, those other circumstances. But the reality is, if this is all about relationship, it starts with us. And God actually cares about you. Can I say that again? God actually cares about you. He wants to be in fellowship and relationship with you. He doesn't want to have a kind of prayer interaction with you that where you're always talking about someone else. He actually wants to talk about what's going on in your life. 
So in Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 15, this is the Sermon on the Mountains. Jesus talking, and he gives this, this long message, and he, he basically starts introducing the kingdom of God, and he, he introduces a different way about thinking about who God is and about religion and, and life and about his kingdom. And he says this in verse 5. He says, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they will think that they were being heard of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. This then is how you should pray. And so it's out of this thought. Don't be like the hypocrites. Don't just stand on the street corner so everyone can see you and use big words so that everyone will be impressed. Rather, go into secret Go into a private place, an intimate place, and then pray this way. He says this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. That's it. Six words. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we have forgive, been forgiven our debts as we forgive our debtors, rather. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive them, forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. And that's a whole other message for another day at the end there. Give us today our daily bread. This is important to the heart of God. God knows what you need. God knows what you need. And what Jesus isn't addressing here is, is this idea that if God knows that you don't have to ask. That's not what he's saying. And, and when he addresses the hypocrites, when he starts talking about the hypocrites, which essentially what they are are pretenders, people who say one thing but live a completely different way. Their lives don't line up with their words. And when, when he addresses them, when he talks about what they're doing, he, he's not saying, hey, don't, don't use words to address the Lord. Don't, don't speak about, because there's other places in Scripture where, where Jesus says, hey, you've got to be persistent. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But what he was addressing was this. It's this prideful, arrogant, out loud, in front of people kind of prayer that says, hey, I'm better than you. Because it's not true. That God meets us in our points of need. He meets us in our brokenness. And so if I try and project something in front of people that's not accurate, God says, I, I'm not going to meet you in that. I'm not going to meet you in your arrogance and your pride, in your prescribed or your formulaic prayer. And so Jesus railed against this. this. If there was anything that Jesus pressed against, it was this idea that religion would become this rote thing that you just went through the motion but was devoid of any kind of relationship. He says, no, that's, that's not prayer. This is how you should pray. And he addresses his father and tells us to address our father as such, our father in heaven. 
Your name is worthy of praise. Your kingdom come on earth. Let me start seeing things through your perspective, through your kingdom perspective, not through the issues that surround me. And then he says, give us this day our daily bread. See, God knows what you need. So why should I ask? Why do I need to ask God? Why do I need to tell him what my needs are if he knows even better than I do what my needs are? Relationship. It's about building trust. It's about being in an interactive relationship with God where my trust in God is built. We see it in Exodus, Exodus chapter 16, verse 16 through 19. And the Israelites came out of Egypt and they're in the desert and they're freaking out because they have no food. And there's a lot of them. There's a million people in the desert and there's no food. You would freak out as well. Verse 16 says this, this is what the Lord commanded. Everyone is to gather as much as they need, speaking of the manna that came down from heaven each night. Take an omer for each person you have in your tent. The Israelites did as they were told. Some gathered much, some little. And when they measured it by the omer, the one who gathered much did not have too much, and the one who gathered little did not have too little. And everyone had gathered just as much as they needed. And then Moses said to them, no one is to keep any of it until morning except on the day before the Sabbath day where they had to gather twice as much. And, and on that day, the manna would not spoil. See, if they gathered too much out of fear and not trusting God, by the morning there was maggots in the manna. Except on the sixth day, they would gather everything they needed for that day and for the next, and the Lord blessed it, and that manna lasted. What was God doing with the Israelites? He was teaching them to trust him. He was showing them that he is faithful and that he will take care of them no matter what. A simple picture, a simple illustration, a simple thing like bread. I will take care of of your needs. See, because he was leading them into a good land where it would be easy for them to look at the, produ the produce and, and, and the work of their hands and say, look what we've done for ourselves and forget that he is good. And he addresses that, that we can get so busy going about the things in our lives and pro providing for ourselves that we can forget that God is the one who takes care of us. Look what I have built. Look what I have done. And we miss God in the midst of it. God was teaching them to trust him. Jesus, in teaching us to pray, is reminding us that we need to trust God. Give us our, this day our daily bread. See, because if I'm wrapped up with the issues of the day, I'm going to miss the Lord in that. And there's going to be anxiety and there's going to be stress that rises up inside of me. And that's not what God has for us. So I have four points I want to make this morning. The first is this. How do you pray for personal breakthrough? First is this. Speak it. Speak it. Speak what? Whatever's on your heart. What's going on inside of you? Get it out in words to the Lord. God, here's the point of need in my life. I think we feel awkward with this. I can't complain to God. 
I can't tell God what's really going on like he doesn't already know. Right? I think in, in, in modern Christianity, we have a hard time with I, I, this idea that I can be real before God. And we try and fake it. God, I'm good. You're good. I'm good. Everyone's good. And he goes, no, you're not. You're lying. You're not good. Speak it out. Get it out. Get it out of your head. Get it out of your heart. Put it in words. And we see it all throughout Scripture. I had to pick a few psalms. I had to pick one psalm, and it was hard to pick one psalm because there's a lot of psalms where David speaks out. Listen to this, Psalm 13. How long, Lord? Can I get an amen? How long will you forget me forever? Doesn't sound very honoring, does it? Extremely honest. How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? I read that verse and I thought, you know, how many of us this morning are living that reality? God, how long is my brain going to do what it's doing and feel like it's driving me into the ground? And how long will my heart just be overwhelmed with sorrow? How long, Lord? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer me, Lord my God. Wow. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. David was a little dramatic. And my enemy will say, I have overcome him, and my foes will rejoice when I fall. Can you tell David's not having a good day? <laughs> He's not having a good day. And I got to tell you, the book of Psalms is full of these. Full of these. How long, God? These are Psalms of lament. Does God mind you complaining about what's going on or getting it off your chest? No. There's a whole book in the Bible called Lamentations. <laughs> yeah, we feel awkward and weird, like, oh, I can't complain to God. I can't tell him how I'm really feeling. And he's going, please do. God, here's the need. How long, God, am I going to be in debt? How long, God, am I going to be alone? How long, God, is this relationship going to be broken? How long, God, do I have to work at this job? Ooh, it's quiet in here this morning. <laughs> How long, God, before I get a job? How long, Lord? Where are you? Why are you hiding your face from me? And Maybe we're just not honest enough to say that we think these things, but we don't say them out loud. And then we're riddled with shame and guilt because we feel this way. And God's like, speak it out. Get it out. Psalm 6, 6. I am worn out from my groaning. All night I flood my bed with weeping and drench my couch with tears. I always like, I just laugh. I'm like, you don't see that stenciled on wood hung on someone's wall. Right? <laughs> Little Etsy shop. And just Etsy Lamentations. Actually, it's not a bad idea. It might make a lot. No, just kidding. <laughs> Psalm twenty-two, fourteen. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart has turned to wax. It has melted within me. David got real with God. And here's what we know of David. What's he called? A man after God's own heart. 
He was a hot mess. But part of the reason that he was a man after God's own heart and God used in mighty ways is he didn't bottle it up. He got it out. And he said, God, this is where I'm at. This is what's going on in my life. See, we can't believe the lie that we shouldn't bother God with our trouble because that's what it is. It is a lie. Do you think God knows you have issues? He knows you have problems. He knows you have trouble. I was thinking about that this week. I thought, you know, if you go for counseling or if you're getting coaching, what happens? You sit down with a good counselor, and I use the word good because not all counselors are good. What is a good counselor going to do? They're going to ask you a couple of questions, and then you are going to do most of the talking. If your counselor is talking more than you are, get a different counselor. Some of you, you're like, yep, amen. See, because the goal of a therapist or a counselor or a coach is this, is to draw out of you what's going on inside of you. And when you speak it out and you hear your own words, usually what happens is that you start connecting dots. See, because when we just internalize things and we think about it and think about it and think about it and think about it and... Anyone? Yeah? And think about it. And we can't remember which way is up. But when I start speaking it out, all of a sudden I hear my own words. I, t- I got to tell you, like coaching, counseling, you just got to know the right questions to ask. And, and people will go, oh, wow, I get it now. I understand where things aren't going well. And there's something therapeutic about saying things out loud. It's actually a really important process for us in, in the process of our minds being rewired and our synapses changing is when we speak things out, there's healing in that. How much more should we speak things out to God? I mean, literally, that we would sit down, we would find a place, a quiet place, and say, God, here's what I'm dealing with today. Here's the need that is pressing on my heart today. See, when we overthink, we can get stuck. We can get really, really stuck. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5 says this, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take, take captive, listen to this, every thought and make it obedient to Christ. And I believe one of the ways that we do that is we speak it out and we identify whether it is from him or not, and we, we, we allow him to speak back to us as we're speaking out to him. Let me get this, make this practical for you. I'll give you an example out of my, my own life. I, I've battled with my weight. I've always like kind of gone, gone up and down and up and down and, you know, and I'm, I'm just learning to trust the Lord in that. But, but there's some things that I, I, I've recognized that are, are just kind of triggers for me. And, and I get late at night, I'll watch TV and, and then for some reason, I think, I need a snack. No, no, let me tell you what's happening. I'm processing my day. And, and sometimes I have stressful days. And my emotions start getting a little out of whack. My heart starts getting heavy. And I, in my neural transmitter process, what's the synapses that fire when I'm stressed is, go get some ice cream, you'll feel better. You're not helping, Tom. (laughs) 
Now, a good bowl of ice cream is great. A good bowl of ice cream at 11 o'clock at night, not a good idea. Not a good idea. There was a, um, there was a moment a f- couple of months ago, and I just it had been a stressful week, and I was watching TV, and I was actually nodding off, and I was like, oh, okay, I just need to get up. And I got up, turned the TV off, turned the lights off, and I walked down, and, and for those of you who've been in my house, you've seen like you walk towards the front door, and you turn left to go to the bedroom, and you turn right to go into the kitchen. And I got to that point, and I went right into the kitchen and opened the fridge. Now, I determined I'm going to bed. And, and here's, here's how this played out for me. This, speak it out. I stood in front of the fridge, and I said these words. God, why am I here? What's going on inside of me right now? that I'm standing in front of the fridge. I had a moment with the Lord. The Holy Spirit met me in front of the Frigidaire. (laughs) And he started ministering healing. And I was able to just close the fridge and go to bed. Now I'm going to tell you, it's not the last time I've struggled with that. And it won't be. But there was a moment in time when I realized God's with me in this. And I can actually say, God... I don't know what's up. Would you help me understand? I'm stuck. And when we do, he does. When we do, he does. He shows up and he meets us. Now, you might have to have that conversation umpteen times. And that's okay because he is faithful and he knows what you need. When Jesus says, give us this daily bread, what he's saying is, you know God knows that there's things inside of you that need attention, and he's okay to meet you in that, but there's a part of us where we need to speak it out. Second point is this. We need to remember. So we need to speak it out, and then we need to remember. God has been faithful to you. Whether you recognize it or not, God has been faithful How many of you got out of bed this morning and took a breath? Yeah, everyone. Some of you are like, I'm not sure. Yes, you did. God has been faithful to you. We need to remember what he's already done. We need to recall what God has done in our lives, how he has shown himself faithful. Because we face those situations and those moments where we're like, ah! And all of a sudden, everything else just is gone, and I'm just consumed by what's in front of me. And God goes, hey, I'm in this too. Remember? I did that. Remember? Remember? And if we stop and would recall and remember what God has done, I want to come back to Psalm 13. So we read that first part of the psalm. David, how long, O Lord? Where are you? I'm dying here. But then we get down to verse 5. And this is what I love about David. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. Try it. 
When you feel stuck and you're going, Lord, this is too much. Am I having a hard time? And God, where are you? And I'm just, I'm ticked about this and I'm mad and I don't understand why. And when are you going to show up? And as you're saying that, watch your heart start transforming. And all of a sudden, but God, you know what? I know you're faithful. I know you're good. I recall the things that you've done for me in the past. And all of a sudden, the lament turns to praise. This is the majority of the book of Psalms. This is, this is the heart of David. This is how he processed before the Lord, and we can do the same thing. We don't even have to read his words. We can come up with our own, and God meets us in that. So remember, what has God done for you? Your experience with God. And can I encourage you? Write it down. Don't just think about it. Write it down, and while you're writing it down, say it out loud. There's something so powerful when we speak things out loud. By the way, the enemy can't read your mind. He does not have the ability to read your thoughts. He will torment you and he will poke you and prod you, but he does not have the ability to read your thoughts. So, so if you're thinking praise to God, the enemy doesn't know it. But what ends up happening is when you start speaking praise to God, all of a sudden these strongholds are getting torn down and the, the, the forces of, of evil that are coming against you will be driven back in the name of Jesus. God, here's where you've been faithful to me and I start writing those things down and saying them out loud. Megan and I do this all the time. God, we need provision. We don't know how we're going to pay this bill, but we, we remember the time you did this, and we remember the time you did that, and we remember that check that showed up out of the blue. Just last night, someone gave me an envelope and said, hey, just God put it on my heart to give you this, not knowing that there was a need that was pressing on our hearts. And, and it just becomes another place where we go, God, you are faithful. But when we remember, it puts our hearts in a place where we can look forward with hope. So you can write down your own experience, your own testimony, but you can also rely on the testimonies of others. That's why we talk about Thrive Stories in this place. You can also rely on the testimonies of people you've never met like David and Solomon and Peter and Esther and Ruth. I want to encourage you. Uh, some of you, a few months ago, uh, it, actually the beginning of the year, picked up a Lectio Divina journal. Uh, Pat and Mindy Crowder, if you guys would just wave your hands, they're right there. Um, Pat and Mindy Crowder are part of our congregation, but they're also pastors who serve pastors, and they've launched a ministry called healthypastors.net. In fact, the website just went live in May, and the Lord is using them to do ministry to leaders and pastors uh, around the nation and really around the world. Um, and it's not uncommon when I'll connect with them, and, and one of them will be on a, a FaceTime call with someone in another nation, a missionary or pastor, and, and their heart is just to bring encouragement in life to, to those who serve in the ministry. Um, but they, in, in one of the ways that they raise support for that ministry is through these Lectio Divina journals. And I have fallen in love with Lectio Divina. Uh, it's a way of reading scripture that's not hurried. It's not box checking. It's spending time with the Lord. And one of my favorite things about it is, is the, the Lectio part. When you read the Bible, what it encourages you to do is to read it out loud to actually say the words, not just read in your head, but to say it out loud. And, and daily, 
what ends up happening for me is I read about what God did in the lives of people in Scripture, and I realize that the same God who was faithful to them will be faithful to me. And I'm able to write those things down and say, God, thank you. Thank you that the way that you took care of Gideon, the way you provided for him, and the way that you gave him strength, you will do the same thing for me and able to write that down. Uh, these journals go from, June, uh, from January to June and then July through uh, December. The newest crop has arrived, and these are available for you. Um, they're out at the, the hub uh, this morning, and if you want to pick one, I know a number of you uh, picked those up. Some of you have even been asking when, when, when's the next one's coming in because we're running out, um, but you can pick those up, and there's a way to pay for those uh, through the app, uh, or you can pay with cash or check. Um, and then all of the money that goes that we, we raise from that or, or from the, the sale of that goes to supporting Pat and Mindy and Healthy Pastors. So thank you guys for, for what you do. When we go to the Word of God, we start writing down the testimony of other people's lives. Our faith is built. And we start realizing, I can trust the Lord. I can, I can take Him at His word because he's been good to me. So we need to speak it, we need to remember, and then we need to persist. We need to persist. We've talked about this pretty much every Sunday so far, and I think we're gonna keep talking about it, because I think this is where we get hung up in prayer, is we pray a prayer once, and we're like, okay, I'm good to go. I prayed my prayer, I put my order in, right? I put my order in, and God knows. But it's about relationship. And relationship takes persistence. And again, that lie starts kind of creeping in. Don't bother God. He's got better things to do. You know, there's nothing that happens in your life that will overwhelm him. There will never be a point where God goes, okay, I just take a number and I'll get back to you. I got some other things going on in the Middle East or in South America that are a little more important. Because he's bigger than that, and he can handle it all. And so he's going, hey, come to me. Tell me what your needs are. I mean, Jesus models this for us. Give me today my daily bread. Give us our daily bread. Take care of the things that are pressing in our lives, and he will meet us in that. So there's no point that you bother God. He will always welcome you. Bible tells us that we can come boldly before the throne of grace. So in Luke 11 Again, we read about Jesus telling the story after teaching them how to pray. He says, pray, say these things. And he tells the story of the man going to his friend's house and knocking on the door in the middle of the night saying, I need some bread. And I love this verse. I'm just going to keep hammering on this one because I think this is a really key, real key for us. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you bread because of friendship, Yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. This is Jesus telling us how we're supposed to approach God. Hello? It feels awkward, but Jesus is telling us to do it. Listen, if there's a need, start knocking. He says to you, I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you for everyone who asks receive, receives. The one who seeks finds and the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Persistent prayer. 
Keep asking. Keep coming back. Now, Jesus says about the hypocrites, you don't need to say that many words. It's not the longevity of the prayer. It's not, it's not the length of the prayer, rather, that matters to the Lord. It's the honesty of the prayer. And the issue he had with the hypocrites is they were not praying honestly. They were trying to project an image. And God's like, just get real with me. Just get real. Just be who you are. And then bring that to me. And bring that to me as often as you need to. And I will meet you in that. That we need to pray with shameless audacity and persist in prayer. And then the last thing is this. When we pray for personal breakthrough, we have to pray with thanksgiving. We have to give thanks. See, thanksgiving brings breakthrough. Last week, I talked about the prodigal son and the father, and the father looking down the road, waiting for the son to return. Can I tell you, if I, if I were that father, I would have already been thankful for the day that my son was going to come home. Because there's hope that rises in that. Philippians 4, 6, do not be anxious about anything. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. I, uh, I use Yelp a lot because I like to eat out, but I like to know what I'm getting myself into, right? And, uh, and so I'll pull up the reviews and I'll read and I'll look at pictures and then I'll make my decision as to whether or not I'm going to go to that restaurant based on the Yelp review. But I realized something that Yelp has kind of messed us up and things like it. We have all become critics. We've all become critics. We, whether it's a, a, a bowl of food, a burrito, a movie, a hotel, we're all critics. And you know what critics do? Critics find everything that's wrong. They don't look for the things that are right. They just, so they're going to post about everything they find wrong. Can I tell you that's a Thanksgiving killer? Because what we tend to do is we come to God with a Yelp review mentality. And Yelp is essentially this. Don't tell me how good it is. I'll tell you how good it is. And when we come to God and we're like, God, here's my request. And when you answer my request, I'll tell you if you answered it in a way that is satisfactory to my needs. <laughs> Rather than saying, God, it doesn't matter what the answer looks like. I know whatever the answer is, is the best thing for me. Because what did I say in the beginning? There's what you need, what you think you need, and what you really need. And God's always going to meet you in what you really need. He's not just going to treat the symptom. He's going to treat the underlying issue. And that's not always going to look like what you want it to look like. And it's not always going to feel like what you want it to feel like. But if I can come to the Lord and make my request known with thanksgiving, trusting that he knows what's best for me, I open my heart to receive from him no matter what it is. God, I choose to praise you and worship you. I want to invite the worship team to come up. We're going to close in worship this morning. Psalm 35, 18, this is David again writing. He says, I will give thanks in the great assembly 
Among the throngs, I will praise you. What we tend to do, church, is we complain in public and we praise in private. And God's going, flip that around. Go into private and tell God what's up. Tell him what's going on and be real and be honest and let him meet you in that. And then what comes out of your mouth in public will be this. You know how good God is? You know how amazing he is? You know how he's met me? You know how he's provided for me? And then our song of praise lifts to him. You, you, hello. <laughs> you know that, you know the church has a reputation. We have a reputation. I think there's a reputation in, in, in the Western church especially that we're known for more for what we're against than what we are for. Because we're critics. And God's saying, would you, would you be honest with me in the places you need to be honest? Would you come to me when you need to come to me? I, I'm ready for you. But then would you also praise me and give thanks? And I tell you, there's something so attractive about the body of Christ when we approach him this way. David was a hot mess. But man, everybody wanted to be his friend. Everybody wanted to be his friend. Everyone wanted to be led by this guy. Why? Because he was real with the Lord. And when we're real and honest before God, there's personal breakthrough that comes that we can't even fathom. So can we finish this morning by worshiping him? Can we praise him together? I don't know what your need is, but God does. And maybe even in the privacy of your own space right now, as we stand together, maybe you just need to declare, God, here's where I'm at. God, here's what's going on. And allow him to meet you and then let's praise together. One final thought, our prayer team is available. Sometimes we need to partner with a person. Sometimes we're like, I don't, I don't have the strength right now. Would you stand with me? And God's absolutely okay with that. He's designed us for that. In fact, he gives us his counselor, his Holy Spirit, to come alongside of us. But if you'd like to, during this time of prayer, make your way to the back and pray with someone, they'd love to do that this morning.